Welcome to Tech at Lunch, the podcast that satisfies your hunger for all things tech while you enjoy your midday meal. So grab your sandwich, tune in, and let's dig in. Hello, I'm Nick. Hey, I'm John. And, you know, this week we don't have Ed. Um, he is taking care of some family stuff, and, you know, it's the same week as Thanksgiving, so we can't really expect a lot of stuff. You know, that's why we're having to... Yeah, we do a lot of things with technology, so we can actually get things done a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, last week we kind of closed out, I guess you could say a a small chapter um, in the whole additive manufacturing space, and that is filaments. Um, And, you know, this week we're going to go down the rabbit hole of, um, still, when you talk about sustainability and stuff like that, we are talking about um, uh, peripherals. So, yeah. you know, when you start talking about snips, uh, the, pl- the rubber hot, uh, covers on your hot ends, which, socks. God forbid, yeah. the socks, God forbid, um, you know, the extruder itself, the hot end, the fans, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of extra stuff that you could that you could get with your press. Like, if you ask me, hey, I got a 3D printer. What else do I need? I'm going to say, well, there's probably a kit that comes with it. Number one, that kit that comes with it's probably the cheap kit, right? They never give you – like they don't give you a full wrench set when you get like a a, a, a couch, right? Like Ikea doesn't give you a socket. They give you the cheapest flat wrench with two sizes on either side so you can use both sides and it's gonna hurt your hand a little bit when you try to put that thing in there so they gave you the cheapest stuff that in the stuff that would fit in the box right because they can make the, the price more affordable to the customer but for me i think all those things you probably could buy a better one you know yeah and and also you probably can get extra tools that weren't or extra tools extra parts that weren't in that kit that just only make your life easier like i mean the first thing you said w- w- i thought of when you said peripheral is uh is like a, a multiple material unit i was like oh are we talking like add-ons like big machine unit add-ons no i mean yeah yeah actually that that can count i would say as a peripheral like it, it's it assists the uh process right it might even help finish the process but i also think on the smaller scale is like i i think those snips are important i think having some sandpaper to finish off a a 3d print is like a necessity you need that but i would say more more apt name for a peripheral like a filament storage container like where are you gonna put the filament yeah it, like, oh, you gotta like contain this and make sure that you have humidity controlled, you know, environment. And what's easier than making that room smaller and put it in a container? Get a Rubbermaid container, cut a hole in it, and and have a place, uh, or maybe not cut a hole in it. Have a place where you could put a diffuser or uh, a dehumidifier nearby, and it can just make sure that there's no humidity, humidity or water, or, you know, moisture anywhere near your filaments. Um, so like that's that's kind of some of the first things that like you should honestly get because yeah you'll get one thing of filament and then you're going to use it and then what next you're going to buy more filament we've already talked about what you should or shouldn't do and if you don't know you should go listen to those uh podcasts as well uh or you can shoot us a, a an email we'll answer those too but um you're gonna need new filament right <laughs> right so what are you going to do with it? How are you going to take care of it? You can't just, uh, I mean, we like the stuff that's plug and play, right, Nick? Like, I like, you know, you keep the same brand, performs the same way. 
Um, I can expect the same thing. But what happens when you switch brands, you switch filament types and things like that? And what happens when you need a filament, you have filament that needs to be dried as it prints? Yeah, that's right. where you get a little bit interesting. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of where my head goes is those uh, first off, it was like those little electronic pieces that you can add like a filament storage container with like a humidity control or uh, run out sensors uh, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, see, that's actually that's brilliant. I something I never knew I needed until I had it. <laughs> right. Like, I don't have one, but I know I need it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Because like we have we have times where the the printer's still going and there's no filament in the, t- in the left to pull and it's like yeah all done, <laughs> yeah half the model's missing, so yeah uh, it's like the cameras that you can get that do spaghetti uh, detection, yeah that's something that I know I need, yeah. but haven't done it yet but I really wonder if uh, since you know sometimes we've been having lately uh, issues where it's like so I'm printing this. But it clogs, and then my printer just runs by itself. Yeah, I think nothing's wrong. The hot, the hot end extruder, and then the motors are still like, no, following the path, following the path. Exactly. <laughs> but the extruder says, I got nothing left. So, um, um, to be honest with you, though, like, yeah, that filament runout sensor, it came, it came stock on the Inicubic Chiron. Um, I love it. Also lets me know uh, when I have any issues, so it's it's pretty nice. And you know, if you get a nicer sensor, does don't don't they measure um, um, distance as well? And they'll they'll tell you like, hey, you've had about blah 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 meters come through, and that's about they'll have if you input density, then you can figure out what your what your weight is, you know. Yeah. So I can see that this print's gonna take this long. It's gonna weigh this much. It's I'm gonna have I have this much material. I could do this. Yeah, I mean, that's that's great actually. But but tell me, do you have uh, so spaghetti detection? We can go into detail or a little bit more detail in that. You're saying having a camera uh, allows for that, but I think there's more than just the camera you need, don't you? Yeah, uh, you have to have the. Um, Does it only the... run the clipper? I think so. I mean, a lot of stuff runs on Marlin, which is stock. I understand, but it's a version of. Yeah. So Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does, but you have to have like a what's it called, um, cloud service or something like that for it, so you can so you can get to it remotely. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So you'll connect it into your Wi-Fi, and and it'll have uh like some type, probably some type of API that you got to enter in and mm-hmm. allow you through. I think honestly, that's probably that's how a lot of uh, like I know we're kind of digressing a little bit, but when I had Octopi and Octoprint, the Octopi app on my phone needed an API to kind of communicate through, right? So, um, in that sense, I did need you know, some type of extra, extra piece on my phone. And, uh, I'm pretty sure it ran only with the mother uh, or the, the, uh, Raspberry Pi. So I needed that peripheral too. I could call those electronics, but we we, will, we'll have another episode where we go into detail more on the pies and stuff like that. Right. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a necessity to have a camera. Yeah. I know camera, at least the bare bones camera. Yes if not just satisfying when you do a time lapse, right? Like I want to see my print go layer by layer. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I think that you're the only one with a, a working camera. <laughs> Moonraker for me and Clipper is seeming to not want to connect anymore. I had really? to reimage Clipper. Yeah, it's uh, it's the uh, file. It's it's corrupted. I've got to get a new one and, and reset everything. It's just it's just a pain to do it. It might just be how it's configured. Hopefully it's simple. <laughs> yeah. If it's plugged into the Raspberry Pi, you should be able just to pull it that way. Yeah, exactly. Everything, yeah. And, and I also have an Orange Pi I'm working with because, like, uh, a Raspberry Pi isn't the only thing that you could, that you can have to use with the printer. You can use Orange Pies or Banana Pies. or There's a few other models, Apex something. I can't remember the exact mini PC name. Uh, but it, you can yeah, run a mini PC in any of it, if anything. Yeah, honestly, I was trying to use an old uh, – an old – uh, like desktop tower and just use the motherboard there and have so many USBs. I was going to try to make a little print farm with one tower. Um, however, the, the computer gave up on me before I got to that point. Um, it doesn't I, run anymore, sadly. I really wonder if, you can, if you're able to take like an old server, for example, mm -hmm. and hook up all the printers to an old server to be able to like dockerize or virtualize oh, Clipper and large production environments. Yes, so this is a great question, and I have a great answer for you. That is absolutely right. You can do this. Um, so the reason I say it's not easy, by the way, and there's going to take a little bit of doing to get it done. It's not going to be like simple. Um, you may need to do via or like each one, each Docker. Oh, nope. What? Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Okay, you're still here. I just lost my screen for a second there. Sorry, uh, I thought my power went out. Um, uh, that would be good. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, everything was off for a second. I might, it might have just been like a surge or something, but it's it's fine now. I think we're good. Um, and you can still hear me, so I think I don't think my internet went out either. So yeah, we're, yeah, it happens. But uh, but yeah, no, you can Dockerize it. Um, you can set up like uh, or you can yeah, you know, you do VMs. You can spin up a VM for each one. I understand it's still using the same um you know ram but for a server servers have so much ram that like that's that should be totally fine um so yeah i this is something that i wanted to do before i went to clipper i know octopi uses a different type of uh application and api mm -hmm. but there's something where you can have multiple units tie into uh one and they called their application octofarm so yeah. it's just like a I think I use a similar type of service uh, where it just remotes into each desktop. It's a Veyon, mm -hmm. uh, something similar where each each thing will have its own. Well, in, uh, in Moonraker, you could do the same thing in Mainsail. Yes. I just have not gotten it to um, it to work as well, nor have I needed all the printers to be online at the same time, right? Yeah. And, and the resin printer doesn't connect to Clipper like the, red, the others, so it's – Now, that would be cool. Yeah, right. If that was a bit seamless, I mean, it, it makes sense, and I bet you there's some there's some work to be done in, in uh, getting it to connect, uh, because like we've talked about it before, a lot of them are prepped or geared to be Wi-Fi enabled, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a possibility. It just it it's gonna take some doing. You know, it's not gonna be a two-hour job, um, unless you already have all of your Octopi instances running. Um, it's it's gonna take a couple hours. Um, yeah. Now, if you have everything running, then you should be able to get it done probably about an hour, um, and get them all up and running. It's as simple as being able to tie everything back to a main page and 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 have them accessed like uh, dashboards. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's a great idea. It's a great that's a great question, uh, Nick, because it's that was something I was like, what if I have you know six printers? 
Right. Um, Start sure, talking about farming and you know print yeah. farming and stuff like that, and how you're going to yeah. control all that information. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's the point, right? We want. I mean, we start off with just one printer, a little rinky-dink, but if you end up getting something that makes you a little bit more money or makes you makes you um have a lot more to print, like it's nice to see all those things, right? Yeah. I mean, how sure many know. times have you looked at your print at work? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like when you look at Bamboo Labs, for example. Bamboo Labs has figured out a way to set all their stuff up already ready for a print farm type atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they had that in mind. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody takes a different like approach to it. Like Ender's, uh, the Ender series for Creality was like really cost cutting. You know, how can I get this out to as many people as cheap as possible? And then but you it got get people the... into it though. Yeah, exactly. And then you get the step up and the Prusas, and they're like, how do I get this the best quality for the the as low a price as I can get it? And that's where the you know the Mark III comes out, right? And the Mark IV is a little bit more pricey, but like the SVO6 started coming out, which is you know something I would say is co- comparable to that that Prusa Mark III. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, even though it's got to start I, somewhere, you know, it's it's like that's funny that you know we buy all these printers and then we add more and more and more to it. Um, you know, I still haven't modif- started modifying the Ender 5 yet, but I don't see a need to at the moment. You it's... said you didn't modify it? Uh, no. Uh, Clipper? Uh, yeah, well, do you count that as a modification? <laughs> <laughs> you took all the firmware off the motherboard. The MC yeah, I, I didn't I, have to do it anymore. I, I did do that within the first, like, yeah, that couple was like months of owning it. Almost stock for us, right? Like, yeah. Why is Clipper not on there? Well, is Clipper so nice. Clipper so so simple to use, and and honestly, if you guys have are curious about what Clipper is, it's a firmware for you know our 3D printers, and and it, I think we have an episode on it to be honest with you at some point. So yeah, you should, you'd be able to check that out. It's I would say it's the most up to date. I mean, Octopi gave it a run for its money, but like when you look at the two comparison, it's it's night and day. One's in like you know early. 2000s and the other ones in like the 2020s right so that's that's the the big difference i see amongst the two because main sale man and clipper beautiful or moonraker everything i need moonrakers uh well i guess i'm not sure fluid i haven't looked at what fluid is i'm i think it's some type of um connection that way but 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 yeah Yeah, fluid is just another interface looks almost identical to be honest with you oh okay okay but no, so, the interface is really what got me tied onto that side, and the clipper gives you so many more, you know, macros. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so useful. It, it's IT friendly. Yeah, exactly. That I guess that's the point. <laughs> it's you know, it's IT nerd friendly. Is you know, it's you're able to tinker a little yeah. bit more. It gives you a little bit more freedom to really either play or break your stuff. Um, because you have to really figure out CFG files, you know, configuration files and stuff like that. At which you know drags me to you know kind of interesting point is as you make changes with your peripherals around your printer, you know especially you know adding filament runout sensors, new hot ends, you know all that type of stuff. You're gonna have to make these changes to your configuration information, you know your your .dot CFG files, if your printer has them available to you, and if you know how. God, it so. makes it so much easier. Otherwise, you're going to probably have to reflash firmware every time. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, this is a much easier way than figuring out how to compile and flash. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. 
And the thing is, if you think about it, you start dealing with like, if you got to go into Marlin, Marlin, you got to go in there and adjust the print parameters and stuff like that. Um, you know, then you have the stuff for um, uh, the, the Vorons and stuff like that. And some of the other printers where you're running Clipper. Um, you know, the one good thing is, is you have systems out there for Marlin, like Ulindo, who we talked to at um, uh, Rapid. You know, you have their technology going into into there now. Oh, yeah. Because what, cause what is a Clipper? We have the... Um, this input is, shaping. Great. Yeah, you, you should... Yeah, the input shaping. You should listen to that podcast with uh, the CEO, Ulindo, as well. Like, that was... That's crazy. I know it's just intelligent to listen to our podcast, which you should do. But... Um, yeah, she's pretty awesome, though. <laughs> but, yeah, she's great. Like, self-starter, you know, entrepreneur. Had, had a great... You know, great attitude about the whole uh, the whole you know uh, convention. Even though they were a smaller company, like only five employees, like still had the take on the world mentality. So like, yeah, we like to see that, especially in the in the up and coming um, companies of uh, of additive, right? Because uh, those are the ones that are going to do something that we're not expecting, or they're going to give us the product like the uh, like APM Labs gave us, which I would say that's a peripheral, that hot end from yeah. APM. Oh yeah, I would say yeah. that's an accessory, not needed, but I want it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things um, that we saw at Rapid that I don't need but want. Yeah, it reheats the 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 last layer as you're printing the next layer. Yeah. Talk about making it mesh and talk about making the stability of the print so much better. It just makes sense. It's like you know, it's like the whole. If I don't, know if you saw the Quibi, 3D printer now that they got now that actually has active chamber heating. See, that's something that like we take for, we're gonna take for granted at some point. Watch, like we we don't have any any chamber heating now, and like we've talked about having to we, we figured out what to, what how are you gonna heat your chamber? Oh, I'm just gonna turn my I'm gonna turn my bed on for a little bit and wait for it to heat up. I mean that's pretty much how our ovens work, right? We turn the turn the element on and wait for the rest of the uh, the enclosure to heat up. Yeah, so, they're talking I mean, sixty degrees Celsius chamber heaters. Ah, uh, yeah. That just makes sense. And it's just, it's so much nicer, you know. And the thing is, is, you know, y'all, when we start talking about peripherals, you might hear us say, you know, this is what we want. And it really is. There's a lot of stuff we do need or, or want or stuff that we've played with. For example, probably the best change I made, like I've built a Voron. You know, we all know what goes on behind that. If you're, you know, not stuck in the mud, you understand what's been put into a Voron. But a Voron pretty much is a self-built Core XY you know, base system. And the core XY is the, is the gantry base system. So if you ever want to look into that, look into the Voron 2.4. December 3rd, though, the Voron releases a new printer. Oh, um, please, please don't be a, 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 a 0 0.3. I'm going to lose my, lose my mind if it's... <laughs> I'm still trying to build the little baby one. I mean... 0 0.1? I think, yeah, I think I have it ready. I just... It's, it's the hot end is not... Um, you know what? Nope. I think I got it. Well, I'll fix it later. I think we just, I think you just indirectly fixed my, uh, my printer problem. Well, so pretty much, yeah. You remember what you said earlier about changing your firmware and, and yeah. changing your pins and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I realize I did not change the pin for the hot end fan. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. So I think that's why – that's pretty much why I was getting some heat creep. And, I mean, it's gotten to a point where I need to replace the hot end anyways, but it's um, it, it's probably clogged 
um, mm. and I just couldn't get it cooled, and that was the problem. And like I just switched over to probably uh, I could say, and you're running one on on the um, uh, on your Ender is the slice engineering mosquito. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, greatest piece of kit when it comes down to a, a hot end. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to say that, hey, guess what? It's, you know, not something that you, you take for granted. But when, you know, you're one, when you're able to print high temperatures and, you know, funner mm-hmm. filaments, you'll, you'll, you'll take it for granted a little bit. I just got it. So, you know, printed ABS with the other night and it, it runs like a champ. So, um, you know, pretty yeah. happy with it. That's yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. And I know we're kind of digressing off the main the main topic we kind of nerd out about our printers and stuff like that but uh, i mean the main the main point that started this the filament uh uh what did you say the filament uh filament run out sensor uh we started with run out sensor we, you were talking about a, a filament heater right yeah the chamber heater that's what yeah the chamber heater so so yeah that's that's another accessory that i think is 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 needed especially if you're trying to get to these engineering filaments that need to you know maintain temperature or that need to be malleable for a little bit longer uh or that cool too quickly um to be honest with you with abs and asa you shouldn't be using your your heater fan at all you're going to cause some warpage and some um um some issues with the print but yeah no i i think um i think that's a great accessory right um what what are some others i would say um hmm I'll say anything that gets better than the, the the snips they give you when you get the when you get the printer. Oh yeah, I broke my handles like pretty quickly on those. Like it it was just a piece of metal afterwards. There was no grips anymore. Um, I, I, let's. Uh, I would say um, uh, a a digital caliper. Oh yeah. That's a that's a great one, don't you think? Uh, because yeah. Oh, I got my right in front of me. <laughs> exactly, dude. If you don't have if if you don't have a caliper and you're a maker, I mean, honestly, how do you measure stuff? Do you have a speed ruler? But what about the small stuff? You know, I mean, we we talk about dimensional accuracy with filaments. We want to make sure that these things are exact, right? But how can we if we don't know what exact looks like, or or we can't verify? Like, uh, yeah, digital calipers are a necessity. I don't know. I started using them even before I was printing. Like when we would do, um. When you're trying to drill the hole, like the diameter of a hole, you check a screw, and then you're like, okay, well, this should be about good enough, right? You just verify uh, with calipers. Or you, if you're checking for, you know, maybe what size a, a, a bolt is, you can use calipers. I mean, honestly, it's it's easier after you look at them after a while, but measuring them just to verify is always the safest method. I mean, it's yeah. what I used on the Mosquito when I installed my Mosquito on my Ender. Um to verify the thermistor was the right size, you know. Like I, I use the the Pittsburgh uh, six inch composite ones from Arbor Freight. Um, I know people out there who still use the old digital spin gauge versions, you know. Just to be honest with you, I don't know my brand. <laughs> um, I just have mine sitting right in front of me. It's all I said. Um, you know, but you don't need to have like shit. I think I probably spent oh crud, probably not even like eight bucks on these mm-hmm. right so but it's to make the point that you don't need to go out and spend a right. buttload of cash on on your peripherals you don't need to it's not required um because a lot of stuff you know your your calipers your freaking snips um 
your uh, T handles mm-hmm. um, are you can save money there. You can buy them from reputable dealers, but you can get them for cheap. You know, if you look, go look at Harbor Freight, for example, or Home yeah. Depot, Black Friday sales. Yeah, check for Black Friday sales. If you're in the um, U.S. If oh, that's true. Yeah. If you're not in the U.S., well, sorry. Have fun at work. Join us in the U.S. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's that's something you know the the T handles. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The hex the hex hex wrenches are are very important. Um, uh, these things are are vital to you know running. I mean, to be honest with you, if you don't have one, a multimeter. <laughs> yep. Like, if we're talking basic tools, like, I mean, honestly, you should get basic electrician tools. Like, I've used a, uh, I've used a, um, a soldering iron before, um, I, uh, on my printer, and t- whenever I'm trying to add anything to it, or if I have an issue with a wire, most of the time it's a fan has like gotten caught on the print and like ripped off, so I have to re-solder in a new fan. Uh, that's kind of the most common. Uh, but but yeah no soldering iron a multimeter just in case to measure you know if you're having resistances if you're wondering why a certain sensor is not catching or turning on maybe it doesn't have power you know maybe it doesn't have a current to it you should check to see if there's a high resistance on that on that uh that wire there because like that'll tell you 110 percent it's acting like it's an open circuit so and let me tell you something when you start building a boron you're gonna need one uh yeah you're gonna need that for the heat set oh that's great great you just gave him another another great use for your soldering iron i mean some heat people sets. didn't like to use that but yeah heat set heat insets or whatever brass yeah. insets or whatever they're the inserts yeah called. um but those things need to be heated up and they fit so perfectly when you put them on the end of a soldering iron and then just slowly spin them into place you know? and if you think about it with your uh with your 3d printer you can actually build one of the single handle rotating punches that will take your uh, a insetter and push the insetter right down into your filament. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I've seen something like that on on YouTube today. I'm gonna actually build one. Um, that it hooks up your um, uh, soldering iron to it, and you can pull it down like a like a drill press. Like and a, it's a drill dr- press. Oh, I love and, it. <laughs> and it will help set your inserts, your heat inserts. Because y'all use a thousand heat inserts for damn near everything. Yeah, it's it's so nice because you realize you can't 3D print the bolt. <laughs> I right. mean, you can. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it won't hold very much, but... My coffee table in my living room is head, held together with 3D printed nuts and bolts, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you, do not sit on that table. <laughs> They will snap and you will fall. Um, but but the, uh, the, I'm not using the table for a lot of weight. It's just there, um, you know, just you know, books and standard things. So the bolts are fine until – I would yeah exactly it's mostly a cat holder uh but it's mostly for it's mostly for um to to fill out the room but i would rather metal metal nuts and bolts on things but how do i get metal nuts and bolts into a 3d print without laying stopping the print laying it into the print and then hitting play again that's kind of one way you can embed something without having to use a heat set insert but uh, or heat insert or whatever but it's not as it's not as easy to do and if you mess if you let the print cool too much and it peels off the bed then you've just ruined it right start over so, 
Yeah, and you have to start over. I mean, I but I had a friend. I had a friend who had a great idea. He made a baby rattle. He printed half the baby's rattle, and then he put like uh, uh, I th I don't remember what he put in there. Some rice or something that's gonna um, you know what I'm saying? That stays really dry and that won't mm -hmm. uh, um, it doesn't matter if it breaks up or it's cheap. And and they have a baby rattle now. Oh, there you go. It, it, it was it, so he stopped it halfway through, put it in there, and had uh, like sprinkled it in, and then had to keep the print going. But at the end of the day, it's it's exactly what you need, and it's enclosed in it. So for me, magnets and things like that are probably what I would use that most for because the heat set insert works very well, and it can kind of you can kind of push it into the print a little deeper depending on what your infill is. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, I, I mean. Like I just had to do something the other night because I completely forgot when I when I printed the um the in the hot the uh mount for my um mosquito I completely forgot to add the heat inserts until I looked at it and went ooh need those um yeah what am I gonna mount this to <laughs> you know ran to the other room and popped in some heat inserts and the way you go. You know, it's it's stuff that we take for granted. That's, you know, we start talking about peripherals and stuff like that. It's stuff that we take for granted or kind of just see that we think is kind of interesting. But it's also the thing about it is the sustainability side of these peripherals. Some, they are throwaways. Um, you know, we'll get, we'll get, and that's when we'll get into like your, your bed probes because those things are literally sometimes a one-time use. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, or you use that homing beacon thing that the that the Vorons came with instead of going to tap. Um, so, you know, some of those are kind of one-time use type of things, um, or they're just cheaply made. Um, however, some things you can use more than once. For example, if you get a hot end that you may not like, like I have an E3 V6 right here someplace, um, oh, yeah, right there, that I ripped out of my printer the other day um to replace it with this one that i can turn around i can use that for um you know extrude like using it as an extruder you know as to pull filament through it to to recycle filament so yeah. you know it's always something that you can keep around yeah there's always something um i mean everybody gets their own type of uh quirks right and they have their own type of things um i like i have um like for resin, let's let's talk. Let's even talk resin printing, and and peripherals for that. I mean, you need your washing cure station. You need your um, you probably need a drying rack or something similar like that uh, at some point. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm using like my drying rack is like some baking sheets. You know what I'm saying? I got cheap baking sheets, and I just they're they're fine. They sit on there. They sit in the sun. Um, the the washing cure station came in the bundle, but I could I realistically I could do that myself. Right, I could just get a big tub of isopropyl alcohol. I still had to buy the alcohol anyways, um, and 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 use that myself. So I uh, most of that stuff like uh, brushes, UV lights, uh, like help re, like fix or, or post process some of the the resin prints. Uh, but I'd say those are a little bit less common than I would any of the things we mentioned for the resin printer. You know, a lot yeah. less common. Yeah. And, you know, you start getting into, like, also one other great thing that, you know, people may come come across as far as, you know, you know stuff that could be, you know, useful with your, um, you know, peripherals that you that you kind of save, especially if you're having to reconnect into a power source. So instead of helping hands, um, you know, those things are great. Okay. I have a, 
Yeah, something I didn't know I needed until I used it again. <laughs> exactly. You're like, man, and, I've been doing this myself. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that type of stuff is is you know is amazing. It's like people who buy the um, filament dryers, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, now that most of the filament dryers now you can print outside the filament dryer. So you know you can run it through the filament dryer and into the printer. You know to keep it dry. You kind of need to do that for some for some of the crazier prints too. I right. think. Either that, or you can build a top hat on your printer. Yeah, I mean that's true. Yeah, and close it in there. See, honestly, that's what I'm saying is like if you're if you're not temperature controlling your filament coming in, or or the enclosure temperature then you're risking some, some things, especially with the higher filaments. But with the PLA, PETG, and things like that, it's fine. But, yeah, you're risking some things. Um, well, what were we touching on? We touched about, like briefly on it uh, earlier. Oh, um, I would say a necessity at, a, at some point if you're trying to like have like least amount of post-processing on a print. Like I don't want to have to print something and go paint it. You need a multiple material unit. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned it briefly earlier. I don't know if I think we had an episode on where we talked about things like that with filaments or something maybe. But we we've brought it up a few times. Um, the multiple material units, it's it's not a a requirement, right? But it's it's something that you I would say you need if if you want to have less, you know, if you don't want to paint everything, you want it to come out done, you know, ready to go. I'd say you need it, you know. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, it's sadly going to run you the cost of the printer, though. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. Depends on your printer, I guess. Yeah, and depends on which one you buy. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, there, there there's a few out there that you can get and, you know, into for, you know, a decent price. Um, the, and, you know, Rage Rabbit Feeder Kit from Voron. You know, you can buy those in some places for, you know, decently priced. However, you're still having to build it all together, so you better get ready for that that, that, ex, that expanse. That was going to be my question, because it's, I mean, you said Voron, and those guys like to make it, make yeah. it over instead of... But, uh, what is the other one? Um, the Mosaic, I think it is? Oh, the uh, palette. The palette, yeah. And you can do the the two-color, and the two-color's not more than, like, $300. That's not that bad. That's but, not that bad. When you start getting into, like, say, the Bamboo Labs, um, that that's when it gets kind of interesting. Well, I mean, if if you think you want to get fancy, just get a just get a um, a Prusa XL, and it has it. It comes with mm. it. You just put the spools on the back. Yeah. I hear you grumbling. It's expensive. I know. You buy once, did, you cry once. Yeah. <laughs> but did you? I don't know. Uh, I know I hate to hate to talk about that on on the podcast, but I'm going to anyways because why not stir up a little bit of controversy? Um, especially when it comes down to people who you know charge way too much money for what the hell they're building. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, had to, I don't know if you the there's a YouTuber out of Australia. Um, he got one the Prusa XL the six the the six chamber, um, six nozzle. And he said that thing got to him at almost five thousand U.S. dollars. Oh man! Because of like import fees and the fact that he paid a down payment and then the cost kept going up and up and up and up and up and up, and up until he finally you know paid it off. Jeez. Um, and he said that 
he's had to communicate with the Prusa team, which the Prusa team guys are great. I'm telling you. Um, yeah, he said there was nice. said there was a, a couple issues, but he says you know he said there's definitely some problems. It's definitely still young. It's still you know you still got some 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 problems. A lot of problems. Isn't that still uh, back ordered? I'm pretty sure. No, they're finally shipping slowly but yeah. surely. But he says he is. I don't want to say it would work. Would be worth it at the moment. But it's kind of cool. Um, it's just you know, like you have the individual heating bed, you know, pieces. But that's about really the more interesting thing. He says right now there's more if than good, but they're getting there. Well, the um, the 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 bed that heats separately. I think that's something only they're doing, and I think that's a great idea though. Yeah. But yeah no, I mean. It, for me, Prusa was the, the the first innovator for the for the standard like I would say I think it's called Cartesian like your standard print um, like X Y Z where the bed is moving as well as the gantry. Um, he he took that and made it something where it was like this is something I could have you know plug and play and I don't have to tinker. Um, so that's like pretty impressive. Uh, but I will say yeah, I mean the price definitely dictates what. I would say how much work you need to put in it. So um, if it's cheap, if you want to have the best prints, you might have to put a little bit more work into it, right? Right. Um, hopefully, I mean, that's uh, with some of these other brands, I would be hesitant on paying uh, a high dollar without knowing the product, right? Now, the, like the Bruce MMU is great, though. You know, given oh, his yeah, price point, slaps right on the top of the 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 Mark III. Like I, I think that's crazy. That's a that's it's so um, easy to install, right? And the orbital extruder that they came out with for the Mark IV and also for the XLs are absolutely amazing. Right. It's one giant gear and two ball bearings. So they just yeah, that's, that's it. Prusa got the Prusa research. They're they're doing some big things. You should keep yeah. that. Should always keep an eye on them. Um, oh, yeah, they're good people thing, too. They're um, great people. When you meet them in person. I think we mentioned it earlier, but we didn't really go into too much detail. You talked about the mosquito, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a peripheral that we got that you didn't mention. With that. The extruder, or you talked about the boron nitride paste. Mm-mm. There's one more thing. The nozzle. Mm-mm. I'm running out of you ideas. Got, you got the handle thing. The, the oh, quick yeah. You got the quick exchange. The novel. wrench. So there's been several different versions of this wrench. You probably, if you buy nozzles, you'll get given like some type of a, it's like a kind of like a, a zigzag type shape um, uh, nozzle remover. It looks like a wrench uh, and it just has like a hex bit on pointing um, in either direction. We got a. I've got the same thing that he got from Slice Engineering. It's a nozzle remover, like a quick nozzle remover. Um, it's so much easier than trying to figure out how you're gonna grab that nozzle. And honestly, especially, you should be changing your nozzles hot. Like it, it shouldn't be cold change unless you're like a completely stock. Um, and the reason being, if there's any like built up resins, right? So you make sure you can burn those off before. Um, you break anything, but, but yeah, you need, you, you don't want to just grab it with your hands. You don't, I don't, you know, a lot of the times that little rinky dink wrench that it comes with is not enough to help you out. Right. And if it's at temperature metal on metal contact, it's just going to continue to heat up your piece. That's cold. Right. So 
at a certain point that metal piece you're holding is also going to get hot <laughs> so exactly. this thing has a plastic handle it's got a quick exchange it's like already a t-handle like it's it's a great it's a great addition i mean honestly it's uh, if you're, when you're changing nozzles this is the only thing i use now and it works on their nozzles um that they have and then they also works on your standard um um nozzles um as far just as gotta be careful about rounded edges if there's any yeah. rounded edges it won't fit but mostly yeah because it's got the big the bit the the flip right you can pull yeah. it out and flip the side well yeah it comes in the kit it's the old little gray uh piece that kind of clips into it yeah mm -hmm. um that's for the uh, like your copper nozzles and stuff like that you're sorry you're not copper your brass um nozzles because that's what i'm running on mine um, but yeah, no, that, I mean, the, anything fitting on it, um, like a volcano or, uh, um, copperhead is, I think actually another <laughs> slice engineering, it is. End, but those are the same, like the, the volcano, all of those, um, nozzles stock are similar. Yeah. And the stalkers from, uh, um, uh, from, uh, Creality, anything that's got a, uh, um, rep rap style audit, mm -hmm. but now, which is kind of funny, we start talking about creality and, you know, I know we're going to go probably a little long tonight, but, um, you remember the K one? Yeah. The, um, it's the one that they tried. They were talking about recently after the bamboo, uh, came out with their X one right. carbon yeah. and it's their answer with the speed booster or, or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. Well, they can't. Somebody didn't like the fact that their nozzles are proprietary, um, and they actually came out with a whole other hot end replacement. Um, like a quick swap. That's crazy. Yeah, like, that uh, lets you do a quick swap with using RepRap type nozzles. Um, so, and they came out with that. Um, and the thing is, is it's a hundred percent supported by Creality now. Um, so you know, it's fine. They said they gave them the CAD for it and stuff like that, and they let them sell it online. So, you know, which is fine. And the thing is, is I was watching something the other day, kind of watching a review on how they set it up, stuff like that. It's a two-wire replacement. You know, plug in two wire, two, plug in two wires, That's screw it wire. together, and you're done. Okay. Um, but it reduces no speed. There's no speed degradation to the machine at all. Really? So it... It, I mean, and this, the machine's already, like, lightning fast as it is, so... Especially with that new high-flow filament that they came out with. Right. So, but that goes back to our filament conversations, which we said that we'd never go away from that. Um, I mean, there's always something <clears throat> new that someone's working on. Right. And, you know, the thing is, is, peripherals are very, you know, especially when it comes down to, you know, kind of recycling them and stuff like that. Most of them are made out of metal, so most will be recycled. Most are made out of some sort of plastic or polymer that can be recycled um, or reused. Um, you know, don't don't get it wrong. A lot of stuff can be reused and rebuilt yeah. to something that you know you might need. Yeah, the metals are the metals are easy to recycle because they just melt them back down, and all your plastic carbon buildup that you had on there. Um, just kind of melts away whenever they recycle them. So yeah, you're, I mean, that's, that's, cause I, I that was going to be the thing that I, I was like, oh, well, we're not really touching on sustainability too much. Right. But 
Um, that's that's one thing. I mean, honestly, all of this stuff is to make sure you're more sustainable, right? right. You, you maintain your temperature so you're not use you know you're not wasting too much filament by start stopping it or anything like that. That's gonna save you time and money. Um, you know, controlling your uh your temperature so that whenever um you 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 don't have like moisture in your your filament, that's that's gonna save you that whole spool. It's almost if you don't if you don't control the moisture or you you just let it sit out, that whole spool that you bought is gonna be a waste as soon as you like leave it somewhere. Next time you put it on there, you're gonna have stringing and you're gonna have artifacting everywhere. So that's that's a waste I would say of money. Uh, in that sense, and this is going to save you, right? You know, so sustainable sense. in the sense of we're trying to almost become predictive, almost make sure that we don't have those issues that we would have had without taking care of our, you know, our stuff. So yeah, I mean, it would even fall into the sense of preventative maintenance. You're getting like an aluminum. Let's say you get an aluminum uh, extruder, and you're just trying to increase. Um, the the lifetime of that extruder there the gears then you're just making sure that your printer stays long uh, uh, stays working longer I right. mean that's just preventive maintenance it's like it's like PTFP tubes PTFT tubes those are preventive maintenance topics in pieces you know yes. that if they go bad replace them trim them back I have to trim my back um, every few months if I'm printing regularly and you know but the thing is it's like you know make sure that you know you have spares those are that's a spareable you know part and since it is ptfe it can be recycled with in your regular recycling it's not going to hurt anything um you can't really reuse it for anything um unless you absolutely need to and the most of the time you're stepping off not even enough to matter yeah i mean yeah, at the end of the day, uh, these things aren't one-time uses that we're talking about, so it's it's something that you'll probably keep with the printer for some time, um, or move to another printer. But yeah, it's it's these are sustainable, I would say, answers, especially if you go you talk about call, going cloud computing too. Yeah. Like that's you. You don't need as much hardware there. Like um, you can you can control. You don't need as many PCs or whatever if you have certain workstations you're setting up. So yeah, it makes life easier. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, that's all we're trying to do. And you know that's where it comes down to like you start really talking about you know sustainability as a whole. You know you start getting into how do these like you said how do these things stack up. You know, it's you know, out at the end of the day is, you know, make sure that one, everybody's getting the best bang for their buck, you know, when it comes down to, you know, doing and, you know, participating in, you know, additive uh, manufacturing or just additive as a whole. Um, doesn't have to be manufacturing, don't have to be doing anything for profit, but it's still the same thing. It's still inside the STEM atmosphere. You know, you start, you start getting into like, your uh, um, uh, like CNC and stuff like that, and you start really dealing with different type of peripherals there. I mean, you start dealing with like bits and you know fluids and stuff like that. You know, vacuum tubes and and you know things clog. You have to get like some type of uh, uh, machine that'll vibrate the tube as well. Like yeah, there's a lot of extra pieces um, that also go. I mean, it's still manufacturing, right? That's subtractive, but I would say just as important. And I mean, it's good. It's good to get this taught in early on, and and I would say the the life of um, 
a lot of uh, a lot of people like if they can get into the stem the teenage years um then it's only going to make them more more conscious to you know cause and effect of of some of the actions that you know industry industry and and you know manufacturing kind of brings to brings to um uh, the world like we we have to produce these things we have to make them we understand uh but like a lot of if the more the more minds we have thinking on on topics the the more ideas we end up coming up to solve these problems like the like the um the woman in in uh china or thailand um i think uh the, actually it's indonesia i think it is because the there's um they're working to help the great barrier reef of australia so they're nearby mm -hmm. So they're they're trying to help with uh, the coral. They're trying to grow. They they've printed out of I believe terracotta clay. Um, they printed like starter um, spots or like hexes for um, some of that the barnacles and some of the coral oh, okay. and stuff like that. So it's yeah, it's something that it's a place that is supposed to um, you know suggest or or encourage growth mm -hmm. um and that's a print that came from terracotta like clay pots things like that like that's that's something that not everyone thought about but because this person learned stem at a, at some point in their life they were able to solve this you know this problem we have with you know i would say uh um i don't know if it's an endangered species but it's a critical area because the great barrier reefs were disappearing right still are yeah, they still are. And this is that helping grow them back, so, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is that's also where you start getting into, like, the concrete 3D printing, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and how that helps people when it comes down to the fact that you make affordable housing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah, it doesn't sound very sustainable, but it is, because it's sustainable housing. It's how can we, if we need to ever use these as temporary shelters can we recycle that concrete back into something that is usable again <clears throat> yes because concrete can be broken down yeah. and ground down and you know reused it's so like in the mix <laughs> right so you know the thing is is when people start doing things with it with the with the thought process of being sustainable especially when it comes down to a stem based type of manufacturing then you know for me it's 100 percent vote to support those guys you know go out there and search up these people you know take a look at what they're doing if they have a way for you to get involved you know, get involved um or take an idea that they've got and you know try it yeah i mean why not that's the quickest way to learn i mean to, for me i was a very hands-on learner i felt like i learned the best by doing um, that's why I'm not good at math. Yeah, and that's they give me the math, and I just go over to the corner, and I'd be like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, that doesn't make sense, and then just keep doing it, and then come back like, oh, this makes all sense to me. I have my own methods and everything for this to make sense in my head. Yeah, you know, it's like I I was never good at math, um, which is kind of funny because now look what I do now, but um, it is what it is. Sometimes you find that little little light at the end of the tunnel that. That kind of shows up and, you know, you, you go from being able to do things and, you know, understanding, you know, uh, non-freedom units, imperial units, when you got to do the conversion to freedom units. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Right. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, these are things that you have to learn as you go. Um, I mean, I don't know, we got a little bit off of our peripherals talk, but um, all yeah. these things are, everything is necessarily a, an assess, a accessory to your growth or your overall product uh, project or whatever you're doing. Um, so we, we like to focus them, but it's, you know, all these peripherals are like, if, if we thought about focusing STEM and 3D printing, I would say anything that you use for a, like a uh, demonstration, like a physics demonstration or anything like that, uh, is a peripheral to your STEM activities, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's necessary. You need that to be able to, in, to, to show off kind of the, the, the physical, uh, property, right? Like the, uh, like the uh, poisoner or was it the poisoner's teapot or something like that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, which just works. It's it's crazy how it works off of um, you know pressures and stuff like that to trick you into um, you know being able to put you know poison out instead of the tea that's cooking above it. Right. It's crazy. And it, it's just you know when you start talking about peripherals and stuff like that, you really start getting it. There's a lot of things that we can go into. We just don't, honestly, don't. If we really wanted to, we LEDs, would be here. Yeah, we'd be here can... all night. Yeah, we honestly, it's almost a challenge. <laughs> so, right. But yeah, we'd have to probably cut it, cut it at some point. But yeah, lights that you need to see it in the dark—that's a peripheral. Like the the enclosure itself to yeah. <laughs> that or the shelf that holds up the printer. Right, and you start dealing with that type of stuff, and you know, we'll have an episode later on where we start talking about like the you notice we never talked about electronics. So we'll, yeah. whenever we get, you know, Ed back with us, um, you know, we'll have that conversation um, about, you know, motherboards, MCUs, um, you know, screens, uh, EBBs, if you really want to do CAN bus, um, which that's an experience. You can um, touch screens, too. I, got, I had a touch screen on my last uh, Ender for a while there i don't have any screens now but yeah i'm gonna disable all my screens i think too i've got i don't have one on the boron um <laughs> i think i'm gonna disable the one on the on the enders um because even the one printing the polycarbonate is or polypopylene okay is clipper sorry well, yeah i mean it's it's a certain clipper is just easier for us and now it's like you know we've changed over and we've seen the light we don't want to go back but i think there's probably something at some point that's going to take us over again clipper's just so nice yeah clipper's just you know now everybody's going to it now you can buy printers with clipper pre-installed yeah, exactly they know what's up they know what you're going to do <laughs> like for example you know the k1 has clipper pre-installed yeah they know, um, they know what's up yeah, and, you know, that's not going to the Creality tab thing. But, you know, it's here nor there. You know, I, I could also, cloud. yeah, if you really want to go to, you know, some interesting ones, we can really talk about extruders, and I think that'll be a different topic all in itself. Um, because that's when we can start getting into, do you, you know, the best peripheral out there for, for, for extruders is a direct drive. Is it a boat and tube setup? Mm -hmm. Or... Do we really throw the curveball in there? Is it a pellet extruder? Yeah, I was going to say, that's <laughs> that's another thing. You could do the pellet extruder. I mean, honestly, when you start getting into the specialties, there's a pancake bot. So there's a syringe extruder. Um, chocolate. Yeah, so it make yeah it makes chocolate like there's there's so much that can that you that you so many different types of things that adds add to that like the X tool has the quick exchange not or, or hole 
uh, hot end or tool head so that you can do a lot of quick changes. And I would say at that point, the the that quick exchange is the peripheral that you know probably most of us want. <laughs> yep. Switch to a, uh, an engraver, switch to a CNC machine, or or, or, or printing um, a printer. You know, with the same machine, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. The ability to do a dock a dock, but you know, I think we've kind of hit the. I think max time we really want to go. Um, you know, if you've all hanged around with us this long, you know, thank you. Um, you know, we, we appreciate it. Um, you know, we definitely, I'm looking at the stats right now on the other side of me. You know, we had 2,076. I think literally we just talked about crossing over the 2,000 to all-time listeners. We're now at almost 2,100 listeners oh, all-time. Yeah, and more and more of y'all are coming from across the globe. Like I see, uh, you know, a bunch of y'all coming from Germany and, and different locations. So I know it's not just one of y'all. Um, so, you know, like we said here in Charleston, guten tag y'all. Um, you know, and, you know, thank, and, and, you know, thank you. And, you know, thank you for coming. And, you know, um, uh, we really do appreciate that. Uh, you know, we appreciate y'all listening. Um, especially since, you know, for some of y'all, we're not your native language, but, yeah, it's hard. Um, you know, we definitely appreciate it um, more than you guys know. Um, you know, we're in Germany a lot on occasion for work. So, you know, definitely appreciate that country and stuff like that. And definitely been around Europe a lot. Um, hopefully make around some other spots, um, you know. So, but with that, you know, let us know what y'all are working on. You know, I see some of y'all in some areas that, you know, I've never had an opportunity to travel to and definitely want to. So, um, let us know what y'all are working on, you know, what type of stuff y'all got, what type of peripherals are, are different in your country version. I know a lot of stuff is coming out of mainland, um, you know, China or Europe. So it might, it might be the same for everybody, but if y'all are working on a different type of filaments or different printing temperatures, let us know. We're kind of interested. Or, Hey, if y'all have a, um, convention, like a RepRap convention in your country, I know you have form next in Germany, so don't, don't start with that one. Um, you know, or let us know if you've been to form next, you know, we're kind of interested. Um, may one day make a trip out to form next. Um, so y'all let us know what y'all got going on and we'll definitely be willing to take a look, um, and kind of see what's going on. But I want to say thank you to everybody. Um, so, you know, go check out, you know, everything else, um, all of our links, um, uh, Volcanar 3D, we're adding some more, um, t-shirts and stuff like that there for you, um, along with some stuff over on Printed Heritage and take a look at the blog. All right, y'all, I'm going to turn you over to, to John and we'll, uh, have a good one. Yeah. You know, same thing as, uh, you know, he's saying, uh, check out all the sites, watch all the videos, listen to all the podcasts, do it. I promise. Uh, if you come and find me, um, I might give you a hundred dollars. Uh, so let's see if, uh, if you could prove it, <laughs> it'd be nice. Right. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, keep check on all those things. Like we, we kind of, we'll talk until our faces turn blue on a lot of these topics. So like just kind of reaching out to us and, um, kind of seeing if you have any questions, seeing if you have any ideas, I mean, seeing if you want to try something, um, we're always game. We're always open to a lot of those things. I mean, ch plans change and, and we're always open to new opportunities. So we want to make sure that, uh, you know, everybody's aware and, and, and if you need anything, have any questions, uh, you know, have something that you want to bring to our attention, then, um, you know how to reach us. You've got Vulcan R3D is probably the best way. It's going to email us. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, stay tuned. Look at the website. Um, you know, let me know what. Yeah, like what Nick was saying. If you've got peripherals we didn't mention, um, let us know. Um, and and yeah, you know, stay tuned for the next few ones. All right. So, all right, y'all. Y'all have a good one, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. That's all for this episode of Tech at Lunch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this tech-filled lunch break. We hope you enjoy the show, and don't forget to subscribe on all channels. And also, you can find us on YouTube under Volcanar Technology Solutions. And join us for our next episode, which gets published every Wednesday at 8 a.m. All right, y'all. Have a good one. See you later.